Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Raj Geary and Dennis Farrell. Today, we're going to talk about SmackDown Live for September 12th, 2017, the finals of the Mae Young Classic, 205 Live even, some of the stuff that happened there last night. And I'm going to turn it over to Raj right now for an update on today's podcast. Yeah, guys, sorry. We uh, were scheduled to have Bret Hart uh, on the podcast today. I've uh, been dealing, um, been talking with the Sun all morning about getting it set up. We we moved the time an hour uh, to accommodate him, but at the last minute, he still had to cancel. Um, just because of how these podcasts work, uh, you know, because we are live, we are just going to try to get a regular interview with Brett, and hopefully that'll be on the site um, soon. So, uh, yeah, so we will we will be uh, having more with Brett soon. Sorry we couldn't have him on the podcast today. We We, we, we tried our best. I wore a button-down shirt for nothing, but no, yeah. not wasted on our video audience today. Uh, that being said, nothing really to be disappointed about because I don't know about you guys. Last night was the best ending to perhaps a SmackDown ever, and just a fantastic evening for wrestling. Yeah, it felt like an like it wasn't a B show. Like they actually cared about it this week, you know. So, I, I kudos. I, that was the best SmackDown in a long time. Definitely since uh, since the last uh, since the draft. It, yeah, it really had touches of attitude error at the end to it. I really felt like I was watching old school Vince McMahon. It was great. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, it sort of ties it into our guest who wasn't able to make it today. But I think that you know, I I was thinking about that in preparation for today. If you think back to wrestling with shadows and everything, you know, and sort of breaking kayfabe and seeing behind the scenes this character, really that Vince McMahon became in front of the scenes last night was such a great callback to that and him just getting in Kevin Owens' face, riling him up, and then, oh my God, the headbutt busted open the hard way. Vince McMahon bleeding in the ring. Uh, what a fantastic segment. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about more, that, more about that uh, in a little bit. But yeah, man, I mean... Vince doesn't do that for anybody. So apparently, you know, they have, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's Vince just really uh, getting into Shane's program or, you know, Vince having a lot of faith in Kevin. But there, you can count the number of people in the past decade that have gotten one over on Vince on like one hand. Yeah, that was that was really something else. They built to it all night. I was worried we were going to be disappointed, but let's go segment by segment and talk about the show. So the show opened recapping what happened between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon last week, announcing that Vince McMahon would be there in Vegas. Um, and, and real it, quick, before people yeah. jump on me uh, about saying the number of people that have gotten the best events on one hand, I'm counting the Nexus as one. So. <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight the nexus really one person uh <laughs> when you add them all up yeah. so yeah man so tom phillips joined by byron saxton and Corey graves out to the ring comes kevin owens and he makes some announcements about how things are going to be different uh with him running the show interrupted by dolph ziggler coming out doing a fake out with shane's entrance and really setting up a, a through line for the night this idea that kevin owens is going to sue and then own the wwe uh, and SmackDown Live. What what did you think of, I mean, in the build-up segments last night, how much they put KO in front of the mic? Dennis, what do you think about them really letting KO carry the episode with this recurring storyline throughout the evening? I thought it was great. This is the Kevin Owens we've always wanted to see. It really felt like old-school Steen, if you really followed any of his stuff back in the day. I really enjoyed the fact 
that they let this play out. We all knew that somehow he wouldn't sue and it would turn into a wrestling match. It's been an angle we've seen a few times throughout the years. But the way they played this out felt very different from years past. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, I don't know how much of this has to deal with Shane and it's Shane's program. So they're really, um, you know, really building it up. But um, it, it was a great opener. I thought Kevin is probably, I mean, I think he's probably the best talker on SmackDown, unless I'm, I'm forgetting someone, especially with Cena gone. Mm. What, the Jinder Mahal promos aren't, aren't doing it for you, Rush? <laughs> right. Um, no, I thought it was great. And I think that compared to all that Face of America crap and the stuff that they had him sort of, uh, you know, suffering through these past few months, I feel like he's hitting a stride now. And he's just really, really got it. So, uh, yeah, I was very entertained last night by that entire plot line. Um, and then the first match we saw, the WWE U.S. title match, Ty Dillinger versus AJ Styles. Um, I think we all suspected heavily that AJ Styles was going to retain here, but they put on a hell of a match. Uh, Raj, what did you think of this? Yeah, I thought, uh, well, I, I mean, it was pretty short. I thought it was too short to be considered a hell of a match. They worked fine. But uh, I, I didn't, I mean, I, the crowd was chanting, this is awesome, but I really didn't think much of it. Hmm. Dennis, how about you? There are certain signs I look for in a great match. And one of them is on a false finish, if I get hook, line, and sinker in. And, <laughs> and there was that one false finish, and I was, I was hooked. I really thought they were going to let Ty win this. They, they built it up perfect. They had everything in line where... If AJ would have lost, he wouldn't look look weak because they had Baron Corbin there. I was I was in. I liked this a lot. I like how it ended. They they worked well together, and even putting Corbin in the middle of this has been quite entertaining for me. Yeah, I think uh, it definitely elevates Baron a bit, and certainly elevates Ty. Um, no, I thought it, I thought it was a good showcase. See, I like when a match doesn't go on longer than it has to, and I felt like for the amount of uh, false finish back and forth, I thought this was a pretty good match length. But yeah, I, I didn't think there was any way Ty was winning that winning that title last night. No, no. I mean, it was clearly just just kind of filler. But um, yeah, I, I just I don't see much for Ty uh, on the main roster. So. Mm. And it's too bad because I think he's super talented and, and the fans want to see that. Um, but I just don't, you can tell that management just doesn't think, uh, they think that they like, the, the crowd likes chanting 10 and that's probably about where it ends. Mm, perhaps. So after that, Rusev reappeared last night, talked about his recent trip back home to Bulgaria, talking with Dasha Fuentes backstage. So Dennis, what do you do with Rusev from here? That guy has so much talent. He could he could be just as good as Kevin Owens. We could be sitting here talking about how Rusev is ruling SmackDown with an iron fist right now, but we're not. I don't know if it's him not reaching for that proverbial brass ring or if it's just management not writing anything good for him. I personally don't know, and I'm disappointed because he could truly be one of the great hills in the WWE right now, and there's just something not adding up for him. And I, you know, bring Lana back too. She's all but disappeared. Yeah, Raj, what'd you think? Um, it's intriguing. I, I mean, who's the legend that he's talking about? You know, um, and you don't really have any legends per se on the on the SmackDown side, so it's got to be someone, someone else, right? Legend killer, maybe. 
we're, we're, or we're going to get swerved. JBL's going to return to the ring. <laughs> step back from announcing thing was a hoax. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But yeah, seriously, I mean, I can't think of I can't think of anyone um, that would that would fit into a, a Rusev feud unless he went to Raw and, and attacked Kurt Angle and, and they went from there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Ray Mysterio. What's let's call there? Ray. It sounded like all talks had stopped. It sounded like. Uh, so I don't think it's Ray. Um, I mean, it could be, it could just be Randy Orton and he referred to him as a legend because Randy and, and Rusev are still scheduled to work, uh, live events, but hope it's something else. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe Goldust is coming over to, to SmackDown. Yeah. Nikolai Volkov. They bring him back. Oh my God. That, well, that would be, how old is Nikolai now? Oh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be like push seventies probably. Hey, McMahon last night, 72 years old, busted open the hard way. I think, uh, you know, new precedent in the WWE ring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Seriously. If you ever think someone's uh, time has passed, you know, never, never count them out completely. I just think if it's Randy Orton, it's kind of a lame, lame build because he's already been in a feud with Randy Orton. So he made it sound like he's transitioning to something else. Yeah. Um, After that. Okay. Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers doing a promo against uh, his Hell in the Cell opponent, Shinsuke Nakamura, with with photos. Uh, this was uh, up there with Drew Gulak's uh, PowerPoint presentation on 205 Live. Um, Dennis, what did you think of this? It, it's, it's As much as I'm happy he's the champion, I want him to stay because it, it really gives us that long reign fill that we've been lacking in the WWE over the last few years. These promos are quickly becoming the same thing over and over and over again. It's very anti-American rhetoric. You could have done something so different here, and it would have worked so much better than, uh, we're making fun of uh, Nakamura. I tricked you, Americans. You're going to cheer for anything. It it just didn't resonate well with me. Raj? I just think think it's, it's one of those things when you're bringing up the negatives, and look, Nakamura to, I mean, he's, he makes that work, the, those expressions and stuff, but it's also borderline. Like almost anyone that would do it would look silly. And, you know, Nakamura at times, you know, he can be borderline, almost looking silly and, uh, and being cool with how he does it. And I think by gender bringing it up, it just makes him seem less cool. And it just, it just puts that in people's mind that, yeah, some of the, his facial expressions do look kind of wacky, but I mean, that's part of his persona. So I, I just think it's a, it's just one of those weird, you know, like Hulk Hogan when he was having his run, right? They would never bring up his bald spot. Like that's how protective they were of him. So when you got a top guy, you don't want to bring up stuff that can make them seem unhip, especially when you got very few top guys. So uh, again, I just thought, I just thought it was uh, a negative. Oh, and, and not not yeah. to not not to point out that the segment sucked in general. That Godzilla joke—you could tell Vince McMahon was in the building that night. I think that was straight from him to Jinder. You know, it's like <laughs> he's, he's Japanese. Make a Godzilla reference. Uh, I mean, the, a lot of those were just so painful last night. Yeah. Oh man. So uh, after that little backstage confrontation between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, keeping the continuity alive. Um, you think they're going to come back to that after he gets done with Shane, or do you think they're going to going to finally elevate him up to the main title picture? And this, 
here's the thing. I think it's always going to be there, and we don't always have to see them in the ring once a year for this to be a hot rivalry. It's yeah. Put a couple coals on the fire just to let us know that, hey, there's something there, and we'll work up to it when the time comes. I can't see anything happening within the next six months, but that's – I think it's just something there that says, hey, you know, although I'm doing X, Y, and Z – I'll always remember that A and B are right next to each other. Yeah. They're certainly not doing anything to build Sammy right now in the feud with Aiden English. That was the dark match before SmackDown last night that kicked off the entire evening. And and I hate to break it to you. I don't think they're going to do much with Sammy anytime soon. One day, Raj. One day. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, it's just, it's crazy to me. It's just, I mean, in a way, I think that it hurt both of them when they had last year had them in a program together for so long, but it's weird that since they've taken KO and elevated him to this level and Sammy is just, I mean, Mike Kanellis, man, like the Kanellis aren't even on SmackDown for what, like six weeks now, a month now. Well, I, they don't see Sammy as a main event guy. And, yeah. Uh... One day keep praying to my poster of El Generico every night. Just, you know, Hoping for it. Um, speaking of uh, championships, though, and people they are definitely doing something with, man, the New Days versus the Usos. So I've complained before about the back and forth of this rivalry, but the New Day regained the belts last night over the Usos. Uh, Raj, what would you think of the match? Everyone seems to have been pretty satisfied with this. I thought it was great. And, you know, with this rivalry, I actually think it's been – probably the best tag team rivalry that WWE's had in a while. I mean, all their matches have been either good to awesome. And uh, I thought this was, uh, this was another one, but you know, obviously the big, the big downside is there's no other tag team. So you just kind of keep them going. Um, but I think these guys have just been doing great. I love their wrap off that they had a, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, it's just that, there's since there's no one else for them to move on to and come back it it just feels like it's going forever so i like i'm sure this isn't the end of it you know because i don't think new day moves on to chad gable and shelton benjamin so if they don't Mm. who else is there and uh that's the usos dennis you have the dreaded uh was it the rematch clause so that'll probably (laughs) play soon I, I liked it a lot. I was dreading seeing New Day take those belts because I really thought the Usos were a, a hot product right now. I like the of them. I, I still haven't gotten enough. I, I like them for the face paint Usos. So I, I thought that was great. But man, this new, you know, edgy gangster gimmick has really taken them to the next level. The belts only heightened that. I was really bummed out to see them lose the belts. But at the same time, it, it didn't take anything away from what either one of these teams are doing. It wasn't one of those cases where they're just getting the belt off to. So, so I really felt like this is a opportunity to take this rivalry to the next level. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure they'll do something at hell in the cell. Now, you know, with, with just the matches that these guys have had, I almost want that match in a cell, you know, I'm sure hmm. they could do some amazing stuff. I'm sure they won't. They always reserve that for the top, two one or two matches and i'm guessing i don't know uh it, it doesn't look like they're hinting at nakamura and mahal in a cell so i'm guessing that shane and kevin will be the only one uh but that's one that i think would be really cool every match in a cell the entire pay-per-view <laughs> in a cell yeah 
That would suck. It would get a, it would suck from you. Can you imagine the audience be like, I paid tickets to watch this crap through a chain link fence? Um, you know, it's, the just, it's, it's just too much of one thing, you know, yeah. it's, it, it takes the special out of it. Like, and I think, I honestly don't think there should be a hell in a cell pay-per-view. Like, I, I think it should be a gimmick match that you set up for, because when you have a hell in a, a pay-per-view named hell in the cell, it's like, you have to have a cell match just for the sake of having a cell match. Cause that's the name of the pay-per-view. But if you had this call something like vengeance and, you the main event happens to be a hell in a cell then it makes it look like you have a match that's a, a, that has a few that's so heated that they had to have a cell and it's more organic that way as opposed to you have to do it because that's the name of the pay-per-view mm. same thing with money in the bank by the way that irritates me to all get out um, but money in the bank makes sense because that's not hell in a cell is a it's the same that's thing. a gimmick match that it a rivalry so heated that they have to be in a cell. That's not the case for Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is just a bunch of guys fighting for the briefcase. So in one match, it's like the Royal Rumble. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. But but yeah. I think we can all agree it's no Punjabi prison. <laughs> not many things. Yeah, I don't. The day they have a Punjabi prison pay per view. <laughs> Uh, if Jinder's title reign keeps up, man, that'll be, you know, he chooses the theme for the pay-per-view. Uh, that tag match followed by women, women's uh, title match between Naomi and Natalia with Natalia retaining. Raj, what'd you think of this rematch? Uh, it was fine. I, I didn't think there was much to it, um, but it was good. Um, I was worried that they were going to do a title change. I think it's better to have Natalia hold it for a while. So I, I like the ending. Yeah. Dennis, I was shocked it was clean. I, I'll, I, you know, you you have, you have Naomi for for months now, and you have Natalia who hasn't had a title reign in feels like seven plus years. She's been a heel for, God, most of that time, and how many times can we count on one hand that she's won clean, if not win at all? Now she gets the belt and she's making Naomi tap out and on SmackDown. It seemed I would I would. This would have been one of those cases where I would have been happy with a dirty finish because it would almost fit into the scenario we were given. But the clean match, you know, in two months when she's a jobber again and nobody's tapping out to the sharpshooter, you'll go, wow, so one time. Hmm. They're definitely building her, and I think it'll be good. I mean, if uh, they put her in a program with Charlotte, I think this will erase how poorly they've booked Natalia for so many years. You know, I think they're going to give her credibility to go toe-to-toe with Charlotte, maybe do a title change. I wonder how Carmella and the briefcase is going to figure into things, though. And by the way, I I, I like Natalia. I, she's yeah. one of my favorite wrestlers. So I did want that last statement to say, make it sound like I'm panning her or this title reign. I'm really happy she's a champion. I just hate that, you know, for a brief moment now, she's unstoppable. And then a week or two later, she can't win for anything. Hmm. We shall see. So, oh, and uh, yeah, Carmella and Ellsworth still back together. Ellsworth on a leash last night. That was fun. Yeah, that was something. <laughs> He's coming up on a year. Raj, have you heard anything uh, about Ellsworth's future in the WWE? Uh, no, I mean, I don't think I would. I mean, I don't think yeah. there's any issue with him or any him being in any danger of being let go. Yeah, um, you it's know, on TV every week. Yeah, he. I mean, he adds something to Carmella. I, you know, if he did, if he wasn't with Carmella, I, I just she loses a lot. Yeah, 
And he brings back that classic manager feel, the one that we've all kind of, I don't know if all of us, at least me, always say, boy, if the WWE brought back managers, it would be great. And he's kind of that classic WWE manager at this point. And I'm really enjoying what he's doing, how he's enhancing and getting involved. And it's it's kind of a reverse on what we're all kind of used to, you know, big, strong male guy with his male manager, female manager. Now it's a male guy, you know, a company and a female. I like it a lot. Yeah, it, it is different. And it, yeah, it's something that, like you said, hasn't really been done. I mean, they've done stuff similar like Beth Phoenix and Santino, but Santino is also doing his own thing. So it wasn't like mm. he was specifically his, you know, her second, like Ellsworth is now. Yeah. Aiden English backstage singing. Kevin Owens walks up. Aiden sings the theme to the Kevin Owens show. Is Aiden getting over with the singing thing? I, I can't tell if the audience is actually into that or not. It's kind of like the Elias thing. Like at this point, I'm just, I've just been beaten down by uh, the gimmick. I think it, it's exactly like the Elias thing in NXT. Whereas I think El- Elias is getting over. Whereas in English, I, I almost feel like it's more of that go away heat as opposed to uh, I'm really hating you heat, <laughs> you know? But I like it. I think, I mean, I think Aiden sounds good. I just think uh, it, it just doesn't scream top guy, you know? And and he, I guess he's not supposed to be. So it's it's fine for what it is. I really feel like in a few months we'll see these the tag team and they'll be called the super group. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I, you giggle, but Aiden, Aiden and Elias, yes. they won't, they yeah. won't with our truth. It'll be a stable Elias. Elias is too big for Vince to, you know, right for now, for right. now. I mean, I mean, if it, if the day does come where he gives up hope on him, uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. <laughs> Super group, both singers, both musicians, you put them together. I, I really feel like that could be, I don't want to use the word game changer or oversell it, but it could be an entertaining <laughs> angle. It'd be like 3MB, but they actually do music. Fashion files. Their, their, music, their music styles don't really mesh. So there is that. <laughs> <laughs> when we see that, that happen, that team up happen, we will just know that Vince McMahon has given up hope. On um, yeah. both of them. Yeah. Um, so Dolph Ziggler last night. Um, Bailey's entrance, Ultimate Warrior's entrance with Dana Warrior in the in the audience. Yeah, that was weird. And this is just building him up with with Bobby Roode, right? That's that's the feud. That's what it seems like. Um... I don't know. I I, I kind of got a little kick out of it last week in, in the sense that it was a Dolph Ziggler segment that I, I wasn't like completely disinterested in as soon as he came out. I was curious to see where they were going. It didn't really go anywhere, and this week it was just more of the same. Um, I don't know. I think Ziggler in this whining role, it, the, the way he delivered his lines was like he was turning heel, but he's been heel for, you know, since that Kalisto feud. What was that, last year? Oh, another that was earlier, this, earlier year. this year. Yeah. So I don't know. It's Ziggler. He's going to be in the same spot. And it, it, I guess it gives it something for when Bobby Roode finally does come out and, and do his entrance and gets that pop. All right. So I'm had a little bit of trouble with this. I thought overall it was okay. It, it, this isn't a compliment, but this is probably the best stuff he's done in about four months. 
<laughs> but he hasn't done anything in four yeah, months. I was gonna say he was off TV for like three of those months. It's not a compliment, but it's the best thing he's done in four months. <laughs> On the side, the constant grabbing for the mic took me out of whatever he was trying. Every two seconds, he's like tossing me a mic, give me a mic. And you know what? I might have been just a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit more on board if he would just just pull the mic out and talk. It just like there was that pregnant pause where he's trying to get a mic that really took me out of whatever he was trying to sell me. And I'm nitpicking it. I I get it, guys. But that constant, you know, throw me the mic, throw me the mic after every entrance three or four times, it's like six times a segment, really just pulled me out of whatever he was selling. Well, here's the crazy thing. He's got remarkable presence and confidence to be able to carry this segment, even when some of the, these these lines and bits are are just landing poorly. He's still going through with it. I mean, give him all the credit for that. I just think the material that he's being given to work with could be a little bit stronger in how he's doing it. You know, I'll say this: PD Williams and I on our podcast here on WrestlingInc.com, uh, we talked about how we would fix Dolph Ziggler and and actually make him a viable. U.S. Intercontinental Champion, and I'll just give you one little tasty treat here. I said you take the mic out of his hands, you don't give him an entrance, and you just have him for three weeks interfere in a couple championship matches on Raw and SmackDown. You don't, you just have him say, "I'm not talking to you guys. I'm inserting myself." I think his biggest problem is there's no offense to him. It's all selling. And we get enough of his mic skills, which is whining. You take the mic out, you put him a little bit on the offensive where he looks strong, just interfering in matches and, and puts him into a hill, shows off his offensive skills. And you do that for a little bit. So we kind of start to forget that, hey, this is a guy that can sell extremely well, too much to his detriment. You know what a, what a problem I have with this thing is, is Dolph is out there talking about what he can do in the ring. And he talks about it like, it's a performance and it is, but what you're selling to the viewers is that these are matches that people compete in and they win or lose. And it's like a, a football player complaining about, you know, his technique or whatever, when he doesn't, you know, when he, he never a quarterback, you know, com complaining about not getting props for his technique when he never throws a pass. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you're complaining about, I don't know if you're if you're trying to make these matches in storyline be a real thing, then the performance of how you perform in the match doesn't matter. It's who wins in the end. So uh, I don't know. I just think it's it's kind of a weak. It's just a weak thing he's complaining about when you when you think about it. I, I think it's fine to put them in these segments that are basically entertainment. You know, I mean, they're filler, but they're entertainment. But I just think make them more entertaining you know, and get a little more creative with these parodies and the jokes that he's doing. I mean, he's not even parodying or satirizing these entrances. He's just coming out there and doing it. And I think that's what makes it boring. It's like the equivalent of someone getting up and doing karaoke and just singing the song poorly. That's not interesting, you know? And I think this could be a very, a very entertaining segment. They're just not putting the effort into it. And uh, this is the most people are talking or thinking about Dolph Ziggler in all of this week, including WWE Creative right here. We surpassed them. Um, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, American Alpha 2.0 versus the Hype Bros. Dennis, you happy to see uh, Shelton back in the ring, teaming uh, with Gable? Uh, not with Gable. I'm happy to see him back in the ring. He looks great, by the way. Absolutely. 
but Gable's just bringing them down. There's, I don't know what you do with Gable. I'm, I'm, if I was a, a, a script doctor, I could probably help you figure it out, but I just don't know if, you know, he's going to work. Yeah. He's phenomenal in the ring. Okay. On the mic, not bad, but he, he just needs to be put with someone who's charismatic and, and just kind of shines. I don't think Shelton Benjamin's the right guy. I think Benjamin works well on his own right now. I'm I'm popping for the nostalgia of Shelton Benjamin. I just I just feel like you're muting it down with Gable. If 205 Live wasn't so buried right now, I'd say you know that would be a great spot for Gable, and, and you know have Shelton as a singles on the main roster. But that's kind of a career killer right now, so I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, but, you know, them as a tag team, it gives them something to do. Honestly, Shelton, uh, we've seen in the past, he, he'll, he'll get a push and then it doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, that's what it, probably would have happened this time as well. And, and we've seen them bring back these guys like Rhino and, and you know, uh, Kurt Hawkins and how far that goes. So at least it puts him in a program where he's going to get somewhat of a push and, and get TV time. And, and you know, on, honestly, they're the only other real tag team right now and so that's probably your next tag team title feud i could see the usos beating the new day at the next pay-per-view and then going on to gable and benjamin that'd be a hell of a feud uh that could be really really good what do you make of uh zach Ryder refusing to shake hands after after mojo goes for the shake Ryder walks off is there trouble with the hype bros well they've been teasing that for a little bit the trouble with the hype bros so um you know zach Ryder is a heel it'll give him something uh, he's yeah. been kind of flat for so long that I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if he could pull it off though. I could see I could see Mojo more than Zach, but yeah, Zach versus Mojo. I think that that that's good. That would be a solid pre-show match. On pre-show a written all over it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that would even pre-show this podcast. That's how, wow. Yeah, that's how unexciting that match would be. Me personally, I thought it was a little too early. You're Look, these guys would have been great as just a uh, jobber uh, tag team in that division where there's only three tag teams. So now we go from four to three, and it's just a rotation. Keep them around. Let them get beat a little bit. Uh, at least you could turn them a little bit heel and give them a tad bit of an edge or something. But I didn't like the move just because of the death in the division. If there were more tag teams, I'd have been like, this is great. Finally get split these up and – a fresh angle, but being that there's only like three real tag teams and these guys were barely number four, I thought you should have kept them around at least let them be the whipping dog for a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. So all in all, listeners of the Wrestling Inc. podcast, you're listening to us describe what I would say a, a solid episode of SmackDown. But then we had the final segment oh. where Kevin Owens comes out to the ring, the No Chance music hits, and Vince McMahon comes out to a huge pop. So they have a confrontation. Vince says that he suspended Shane, not for putting his hands on Kevin, but for not going far enough and finishing the job. Threatens to fire Kevin, uh, really getting in his face, setting up this match for Hell in a Cell, saying that, you know, uh, giving Owens permission to, uh, you know, lay his hands on a McMahon and, and uh, beat them down. And then what does he do? Pulls him in for the handshake and bam, a headbutt followed by, uh, what was it? A super kick, uh, frog splash. I mean, just... I can't remember the last time I saw a 72-year-old man just get 
savaged like this, let alone on television. Well, when was the last time Vince, you know, took that kind of a beating from someone? I mean, he got Superman punched by Roman Reigns, but you know, when Kevin Owens, when he did the headbutt, Vince fell and got back up. I thought for sure that Vince was going to get some punches in on Kevin. That, could you, just because that's how it normally goes with Vince is he still gets his come oh, yeah. up. I mean, not Owens would get his comeuppance, but uh, not this time. I mean, Owens, Vince got up, looked like he was through that punch, which was blocked, and Owens just destroyed him. And I, I, you know, the last time I can think of something like that where Vince just got his ass kicked was uh, the Nexus, and that was 2010. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, like I said, he did get the punch from Roman Reigns, and that's that's all I can think of. So, I mean, he, he really put this guy over strong and, and by protecting Vince in that way, it does make it mean so much more when he does, uh, you know, when he does take a beating from someone. And when's the last time Vince bled on TV? Gosh, that's probably attitude era. I was just about to say has to have been. Yeah. That match with Piper when he had that Mm. or not, uh, that match with Hogan at WrestleMania when he had that crazy look in his eye. That's that's the last time I can remember. Busted open from a headbutt, man. That was insane. Yeah. Uh, My only complaint was it didn't last longer. I <laughs> boy, they they left me wanting more. In that little corner of the TV screen where it was like the next show begins in 30 seconds, I just kept watching going, Oh wow, Stephanie comes down to the ring. Oh yeah. I thought there was gonna be more to this. And then I don't know about you guys, but I just kept waiting for someone's music to hit. I kept waiting for Shane O'Mac's music to hit. I kept waiting for even Triple H's or just somebody to come out and save him, and it never hit. And that's what made this phenomenal is he was just left out there all alone, and he took this beating like a champ. Yeah, and I I, I was nervous when Stephanie came down because I thought you know she was going to be slapping Owens or doing something. But uh, no. She let let him walk away without getting, uh, you know, uh, castrated. <laughs> so, for lack of a better term, uh, and uh, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, 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 for for whatever reason, this just might have been me. I kept thinking, is this a long way around? Because I know Shane O'Mac that this program's going to happen, but are we going to get a Triple H Kevin Owens? Because they had a little history with unexplained. Why did he pick Kevin Owens? Now Kevin Owens is picking on the McMahon family. And I just, I, you know, when Stephanie came down, I just was, I wasn't hoping, but I was just wondering what was going to be next. Was there somebody else? Is, is it not going to happen at all? And that was the true signs of a great segment is where you really didn't know from the beginning to the end what was going to happen. Because if you would have told me five minutes before Vince McMahon came out that he was going to bleed in a, a super kick, I'd have been like, at 70 something years old, that's not going to happen. Stop, stop living in fantasy land. And it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting anyone else to come out other than Shane because that's the master building too. But um, yeah, I thought a great segment, but probably the strongest, most memorable segment uh, on SmackDown in modern, in modern history, you know, since the, definitely since the brand extension and probably way before that, since it became the B show, like in the 2001, 2002, definitely in a long time. It's fantastic. And then they went from that to the May Young Classic last night. So much so, first I was like, man, the May Young Classic final is going to have a bit of trouble following this up. I mean, talk about just a hot ending uh, with a the swerve there. That was uh, really something. So 
let's talk about the May Young Classic finals. Um, Kari Sane won, and we had uh, the UFC horsewomen in attendance and the WWE horsewomen in attendance. Did not get the confrontation that many people thought. Raj, is there are, are there are there credible rumors about building that for Survivor Series? That's all it's been is rumors, but I haven't. I just, I mean, m- myself personally, if if I'm getting Ronda Rousey, I don't want her first match to be in an eight man tag. You know, you want it to be a, a big singles match. So it always seemed odd to me, and I don't know. It doesn't look like that's where they're going. Um, they didn't tease anything. I don't. You know, I don't know where they would after this point. So I think it it was what it was, just a rumor. Yeah. So, Dennis, what did you think about uh, Shayna Baszler versus Carrie Sane in the way that the match played out and the ending with Carrie becoming the first May Young Classic champion? From beginning to end, this was awesome because when you first started watching, if you've ever gotten an MMA pay-per-view or a boxing pay-per-view, this really had that kind of feel to it from the presentation to the, to the stats, to the ring announcer, you know, Lillian Garcia, I mean, all the way down to the announcing, it really made you feel like you were watching something special from the presentation. The bell rang and from the get go, the, the mechanics were great. They worked well in the ring together. I really believe that, these two people were going at it. it. Believability is huge in the wrestling world. And from moment one, they had me sold that this was a big event. Yeah, I liked how it was presented. I think it would have, you know, I know logistics, they can't really do it, but I, I think it would have benefited from the full sale crowd. Um, I liked the way it was presented. I thought Kyrie Zane looked, um, I keep saying Zane, but Zane. I, know, it's, it's really <laughs> uh, I thought she looked great uh, Shayna Baszler I think has a ton of potential um I think she needs work I thought I thought the match was kind of sloppy at spots but um but she has a ton of potential so having them go out that long it I thought it was I thought it was good for what it was I, I, I really liked it they made it seem like something important and different now where they go from here uh you know that's a question mark because you got a ton of women that they brought for the tournament I don't, I don't know how many they're going to sign uh, I know they signed Kyrie Kyrie Zane, Kyrie Zane, Zane. <laughs> and you know, some of the women are already in NXT. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I don't see this leading to an all women show, especially with how the cruiserweight show has, has kind of faltered and fallen by the wayside. I don't know. Wasn't, weren't the, the first eight episodes, like the top eight things watched on the network for the, yeah, but the, the, uh, cruiserweight classic was too. Yeah. I, think, I don't know I don't... if it was the top eight, but it, it, I mean, it did really well. Yeah, I don't know about, about an all-women show. I, I would like to see it because I think that the interest level now is going to be at an all-time high. Uh, you know, 32 competitors in the May Young Classic. So many characters, so many people that they want to see uh, stick around in NXT and the WWE. And we're seeing that with Raw and SmackDown. I mean, the limitations are just absurd with what they're doing uh, with the women compared to the rest of the roster. I think a women's show wouldn't be a bad idea at this point. Yeah. yeah, it could go the way. The I don't know. I, I just I just see it. What, you know, it all depends on how they do it. But if you get a women's show co- coming on after Raw or after 205 Live, it's dead on arrival. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And maybe I if, think pair it with NXT, maybe. Yeah, but I, I think it's you get more out of it doing the cruiserweights that way. But and, don't you think it's different, though? Because 
I mean, to take gender as opposed to cruiserweights, it, the cruiserweight division is a subset of wrestling. Smaller guys, it's a different style. But if you take the gender focus of women, I think that look at the success of, of Glow as a Netflix series. I mean, even look back in the day of success as Glow as a series. Um, I think that what's lacking, I mean, are Shimmer or Shine or any of the female only promotions really doing such huge business that the WWE would think, oh, we have to get in, in, the, in on that, you know? Glenn, I agree with you. And, and I would agree with that with the cruiserweight division, but it's how WWE treats it. And, yeah. you know, you, you've seen their execution. The cruiserweight, uh, even if it's, you know, an all-women show on the WWE Network, it's not going to get the prioritization, obviously, of uh, the main roster. And so right off the bat, they're going to do secondary silly storylines on it, and it's going to vanquish away. Because they, they do, they make all these shows kind of the same. The Cruiserweight Classic is formatted just like the other, uh, other WWE shows. They do that with the women's show, and it would just die a slow death. The problem is the WWE right now is its own worst enemy with all the programming it has. I You almost have to quit your job to keep up with every single thing that they're doing. Whether oh, yeah. Original shows, 205, Raw SmackDown. And now you're going to try to add a women's show on top of that. The only way it works is if it was like an every other week thing, pre-taped and put it out on like a Saturday night on the network or something like that. It can't be an every week thing. It has to be like an every other week or maybe even a once a month thing. But that's the only way this thing will work is if you treat it like a it's its own special thing and you make it not rare where it's, you know, once a year. But you you can't have it every week because there's just no possible way for you to keep up with all the wrestling. Yeah. And, I mean, it, you know what would be kind of cool? It'd be a little different is if you did something again like this, where you do like eight episodes binge watching uh, of a women's show and it's not taped or, I mean, it's taped at full sale or something. And then you air it eight episodes right off the back and you can binge watch like, like they did with the Bay Young classic. And then, you know, those lead to storylines on NXT or something like that. And then you could do that every so often. But um, yeah, I, I just don't see it as a, a weekly show. Or but the problem with bi-weekly every other week is people lose track. They're yeah, creatures no of habit. Yeah, they're creatures of habit. So I, I think the next step, I know I said this a few weeks ago, I think the next step is they try and do a women's pay-per-view or a women's network special uh, and involve all the women, both rosters, involve the NXT women, and just do a one-night-only thing and see what the response is. I think that's the next logical step if they want to test that out. You know, I thought they could have done that with this. They could yeah. have done a special taping at Full Sail. Uh, had just a bunch of women's matches on the undercard. Um, maybe throw in a, a Raw women's title match and SmackDown women's title match or something, and you know, just have this big women's show. I and, mean, and, yeah, and and here's and then here's, you got the finals. I, and this is this is I think ultimately a compliment is I do not think by any stretch of the imagination that the match we saw last night between Carrie and Shayna, that was not the best match of the May Young Classic. Yep. I think there were many matches ahead of that. In fact, I mean, I think uh, Carrie's match against Tessa Blanchard in round one was better as far as ring chemistry and flow. Now, Shayna and Carrie, they sold like hell last night in terms of those injuries. I thought they built the emotion in that match, but the May Young Classic had so many great matches that, yeah, I just think there's a lot more potential if, if the WWE wants to explore it. And by the way, WWE, if you're listening, let's not call it ladies' night out or laces and boots or, you know. Oh, it's absolutely going to be that. Yeah. Ladies' night, one night only. Absolutely. I can totally see them doing that. Yeah. 
That's I mean, and they're gonna have the neon in the in the pay-per-view graphic where it's just oh. just come on, you could see it in your head. It's yeah. still right there. That's um, that would kill it immediately. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so all in all, I think the Mayon Classic was a success. I think last night was a great ending to it and yeah i'm curious to see where they go from here we'll know more so carrie is uh gonna be at the next nxt takeover competing for the vacated women's nxt title now that oscar is going to raw i assume what do you think raj you think tomorrow with the nxt tapings we'll know more about the details of that match yeah yeah for sure uh, my guess would be ember moon but uh you know we'll we'll see because who else do you, who else fits you know if they do it as a four-way or a multi-women match, I think they bring Shayna back. I think they bring Shayna in for that mm. at least. Because the idea of the rematch aspect of it, you know? Yeah, I think it's she just lost and she's getting a title shot. Yeah. You know, that doesn't... Uh, so, I, I mean, I would I, I could see the usual suspects with like Peyton, Peyton Royce or Billy Kay. But I, I think Ember Moon and, you know, Kyrie Sane, it... Uh, it has a nice ring to it. You know, the May Young Classic winner against the the best woman on the NXT roster. Oh, that'd be a hell of a match. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we'll know more tomorrow. Look, uh, stay tuned to Wrestling Inc. for all the behind-the-scenes details of the NXT taping tomorrow night at Full Sail. Uh, 205 Live, shout-out to that. Thank you, Twitter and the Internet, for letting me know the, the fashion police showed up last night and interrupted Drew Gulak's PowerPoint presentation uh, for a lengthy segment. So that was almost a regular length 205 Live last night, 45 minutes long. Saw a couple matches. Do you think that was a one-off, Raj, or do you think uh, they're just going to start moving over all the fan favorites to 205 Live along with Enzo? I'm um, sorry, can you repeat that again? With the fashion police oh. showing up. Yeah, I don't know. I it, it seemed out of place, but, you know, when you're – starting to intermingle the divisions. It's no longer its own separate thing. I think it just, it weakens it, but it's already weak. So I don't know, but it, it was entertaining, I guess, if you're into that. My wife walked in when I was watching it and she just gave me this look like, this is what you're watching, you know, them with them arresting Drew Gulak. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, 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 was a, it was a cool surprise. I'll, I'll just say that. I don't know if it means anything else yeah. because how much do those guys weigh? Uh, Tyler Breeze is probably down there. Like he could probably be on two Oh five live, right? Tyler Breeze, 212 pounds, 212. So to cut a little weight he is wrestling. We're talking about a guy that almost died and gave away a million dollars and came back the next week. So I, you could probably fudge the numbers a little bit. I, you know what? I liked it. I'll be honest. How many times have we been on here saying, you know, the only thing we got to do to fix this is take the purple tape off the ropes, uh, cut down between commercial segments and make it feel like it's part of the show. And this is kind of what they're doing. They're slowly making it part of the show. You you had Enzo go to 205 and then show up and wrestle the Miz a little bit. I like that a lot. Now you kind of have some some fan favorites. like. And then he gets destroyed by the Miz. True, but... <laughs> <laughs> and he's the top contender for that division. It just makes the division look weak as hell. Exactly. When you intermingle, when Vince McMahon intermingles, this is the problem with the cruiserweights every time, is once he starts mixing the cruiserweights with the heavyweights, the cruiserweights get destroyed, they become comedy, 
and uh, and then the division dies. It's happened oh, every time they brought the cruiserweight title. That's going to be the last gasp of 205 Live. Is I think Vince McMahon is going to say, "Okay, okay, nerds, uh, all your favorites. We're going to take you know uh, two uh, 195 pounder according to the internet, Sami Zayn. We're going to take the Fashion Police. We're going to take Enzo Amore. We're going to take all these guys that I just don't get." And we're going to put them on the show on the network and you all enjoy them there. And then we'll bring them on to Raw and SmackDown to essentially make fun of them under the veil of cross promotion. Yeah. I, listen, I, I hated how Enzo was booked, but we knew he would not hold a candle to the Intercontinental Championship. I, I thought that was not great, but the fact that now they're starting to ingle, intermingle them between the division and the show. And this, this was one of our biggest complaints, at least mine personally uh, now they're slowly, good, bad, or indifferent, they're slowly starting to make it feel like 205 Live is part of WWE and make them feel a little more welcome, maybe get a win over somebody big, you know, like how Rey Mysterio in the old WCW days might have got one over on the Giant Killer or something. Yeah, it, it was. It's that kind of stuff I've wanted to see, and hopefully they learn to fix or incorporate that the right way. You can create some magic moments where you have a small guy beat a big guy. You can, but it's Vince. It's it, true. It's, <laughs> he never does. And so, you know, when he does, he, like he, when Daniel Bryan won the title at WrestleMania, you know, 30, was it 30? Yeah, it was 30. Oh, wow. uh, he was relegated to kind of a silly feud with Kane while the, the main thing on the show was evolution against, uh, you know, the Shield. So it's just, and when Benoit won the title, yeah, it was a big moment at WrestleMania, but right after that, he was never treated as the guy. You know, he, his feud was always second, secondary. So Vince just doesn't push smaller guys like that and give them as, as much importance. And he's not going to do that with the Cruiserweights. Before the, uh, before, uh, the Fashion Police showed up last night, watching that Drew Gulak segment with the PowerPoint presentation, it was very clear that, they do not care. I mean, no one is paying attention to 205 Live. Like the writing staff on there, I think, are two guys in a closet just putting together things that make them laugh. Yeah. How often do you think in the morning the, the writers are like, oh, shit, we forgot about to write it for 205 Live. You know, we got we got to get on that. It's probably Mick Foley's son and then the intern <laughs> that's under him uh, that just sit there and come up with these ideas. They get stoned and think about what's funny. And I mean, that's but you know what, though? That's where I think if they were to take some of the main roster guys who were being underserved and put them there, I think you could actually have a show that would be a huge cult hit I just for don't the think, internet wrestling community. I, we've, we've discussed this before. Yeah. I think in its current environment, it won't work. Uh, as, after SmackDown, when people think they've seen the big stars, it just doesn't work. You would have to do it as a separate thing, as a separate taping, probably at Full Sail or somewhere. Um, and I think then it would, because then you get the WWE creative hands off of it because they're the ones that, you know, the writers that travel with them wouldn't be involved. And, uh, then it could be like the cruiserweight classic was, you know, it was a big thing, uh, you know, with the, with the internet wrestling community. And I think you could do something like that, but in, in its current form, there's just no chance. Can I ask you guys a serious question? If, if Neville versus Sami Zayn, do you think how do you think that would work? Do you think that would fit? I, you just said Sami Zayn was, what, 195? He's not yeah. utilized on SmackDown right now. Could he be a legitimate cruiserweight champion in your eyes? Could this be what might turn him around? 
I think definitely. I mean, look at NXT. He was the NXT champion, for Christ's sakes. I mean, he got all the opportunities. Yeah, so was Bo Dallas. In the, well, that's true. But in the smaller pond. And I think that he's someone who's never, I mean, it's it's absolutely clear that he's not on the radar of Vince and the top guys uh, for SmackDown and Raw. So I think much like Neville, I think it would reinvigorate him. And I could see it happening, but the problem is I think 205 Live is going to be in its death throes. Like what we're going to witness now. I mean, we predicted what, Raj, that the cruiserweights, cruiserweights with the exception of Enzo weren't even on Raw this week. I think there was another week that Raw skipped them over in recent months. Um, I mean, I think 205 Live, it's it's literally in a death spiral right now, just based on how they're treating the cruiserweights. Yeah. So that'd be great for Sami Zayn, but it's to be, you know, the top guy on a sinking ship isn't probably an enviable position to be in. So we'll see. Hell of a week for wrestling. Raw was pretty good this week, but last night, I was more stoked after last night's events than I am after most pay-per-views. So I think the WWE did, did something right last night. Yeah, fun stuff. Um, is two good shows. Uh, can't complain. Yeah, which is rare for listeners of this podcast to hear us say those words. Um, anyhow, so Raj, anything you want to plug before we uh, take this home here? Possible Bret Hart interview coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Um, and... Uh, Yes, we got uh, interviews with Buff Bagwell, that are, and these are all done. That'll be up on the site soon. Uh, Robbie E. Um, and, and some other big stuff coming. So keep checking us out. Cool, man. Dennis, plug the podcast, man. Well, they came for Brett the Hitman part, and they got stuck with me. So I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you can catch the podcast once a week, Wrestling Perspective, PD Williams uh, over on the Global Force Wrestling Impact. You if you haven't watched it, go check it out. He's over there. We podcast together. We talk about the weekly events. Uh, I've been noodling him, trying to get him to break out a little bit more information about how uh, how things are going over there financially at the Global Fours. Mm. Crack, I think. He's going to crack. And we're working <laughs> on getting uh, Sanjay Dutt as a guest for hopefully this next week's podcast. So Cool. Cool. And Monday night, we'll be back here, Mr. Matt Morgan, Raj Geary, and myself to talk about Monday Night Raw. The go-home show. It's going to be exciting. So until next time, folks, I'm Glenn Rubenstein, and we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.